Amen. Well, it is definitely Christmas, and uh, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I love seeing the Christmas lights. There's some houses around Glendora that get done up every year that I just, I'm blown away by. Uh, mine is not one of those. Um, we haven't made it. I think, I think Tom had his Christmas de- decorations up like the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, there's a little lag on my end. Um, it's, good, it's a good thing I'm not intimidated by that, uh, but... But Christmas is a lot of fun, and love seeing the lights and, and the music. Um, by the way, there's something coming up um, next Saturday as well. The Glendora Christmas Parade is at 9 a.m. next Saturday, and uh, it's not a formal event for us as a church, but if you want to show up, grab a, a cup of hot chocolate over a classic coffee, or bring your own because it gets a little busy, uh, just be a fun way to, to be out in the community. Well, we started a series last Sunday called Light of the World. And, uh, and you can see that theme really got tied into the stage. We started out last week with uh, these Edison light bulbs, and then some of the ladies uh, took it to the next level, which is awesome. I want to start out with Advent. Through the Christmas season, we take time in each of our Sunday services to, uh, to light an Advent candle. Advent speaks of the anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. The word Advent actually means arrival or arriving. Now, Jesus was already born, right? We know that because we're celebrating that at Christmas. So we're not really waiting for him to be born, but we are waiting for him to come again. And so there's always this looking forward in our own hearts. And it's important to remember that if Jesus hadn't come, that our lives would not be transformed. And so that part of the Advent, looking back to thank God that he did, that Jesus did come. You know, and then daily, the Advent, the arrival, Jesus showing up and making himself real in the daily activities of our lives. You know, that Jesus wants to be real in your life today. Jesus wants to be real in your life today, just like I was talking about in communion not something that we just talk about or someone we talk about or, or just someone that we honor or think about when we're at church. He wants to be real in your life today. And so truly, we should be thinking about Advent every day. Jesus, where do you want to show up in my life today? I can't wait to see what you're going to do in my life today. And then, of course, the second coming of Jesus Christ. We wait for his return, which we know is imminent. It's coming soon. There's four candles on the Advent wreath. The first is hope, and we spoke about that last week. Today we're going to be talking about love. Next week is joy, and then finally, peace. Hope, love, joy, and peace. I want to invite Robert and Stacy to come and join me up front. And I've asked Robert and Stacy if they would read a passage of Scripture, uh, and then they're going to light one of the candles. I believe Robert's reading, and Stacy is praying. Um, So thank you for doing that. It's important for us to hear from from God's word. Would you bless us this morning? We'll be reading from Titus 3, 3 to 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, 
but because of his mercy. He saved us through washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on our generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. And now John three sixteen to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for sending your son so that we could live with you in eternity. I am blown away that you loved us so much that you would do that and that you loved us so much that you didn't want to spend eternity without us. We thank you, Lord, for your hope and your love in our lives that is tangible in the person of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that our lives would reflect the hope and love that we have, that this lost, hurting, and broken world would look at us and ask, what is it that you have? And I want that. Lord, bring us opportunities to show that hope and that love that is real. I thank you, Lord. For your blessings, we are humbled and we are grateful. In your name we pray, amen. Can we give him a hand? Yeah, let's do that. So we started last week talking about light. I just want to recap for a second. Why light? What is, why does God talk about light so much? In fact, throughout scripture, it's one of the most recognizable pictures or metaphors of who he is. Well, I think this is my theory, this is my idea, but I think because light because we get light. We understand light. We understand dark, right? We understand when it's dark that it's, it's scary. Anyone still afraid? Of, no, don't worry about that. You have to raise your hand. I don't like the dark. You don't like the dark. There's very few people who like the dark, and they're probably not very normal. Um, because we're drawn to the light. We understand light. Physically and scientifically, I talked about the light spectrum, and we have all UV light and, and visible light and, and gamma rays and all kinds of things with light. Spiritually, the, the picture of good versus evil, light displayed in that, even mentally and, and emotionally, the safety and security that light provides. Any, anyone have night lights in their children's room? You thought I was going to ask you if you had a night light um, in your children's room. And, and, and mentally or, or intellectually, we talk about the light bulb going on, right? And there's this understanding. And, and even morally, the moral versus the immoral, the just versus the, the unjust, love versus hate, we equate the good things with light. And those things that are not good with darkness. 
read out of John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, which is our key passage for this series. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. And what, what's the source of that light? The Word, Jesus Christ. He is the source of that light. See, light beats dark every time. There's no scenario in which the darkness beats the light. Ever, anywhere, in any situation, light always beats the dark. And I mentioned this week, and I'll mention it every Sunday because it's so important for us to grasp this. Light and dark are not equal opposites. Light and dark are not equal opposites. Satan is not God's equal opposite. That God beat Satan every time. Why? Because God created him. He's a created being. And so the light of who God is overwhelms and overcomes the darkness every single time. And, and no matter what the darkness tries to do, in fact, there's a great picture there. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That the, the darkness doesn't have the ability to drive back the light. It is, darkness is simply the absence of light. This is critical for us to understand. And then our phrase for this series, and the thing that I'm going to keep coming back to with that in mind is this, this phrase, to you and through you. The light of the world that came to you and the light of the world that wants to shine through you. All right, we good? You tracking? All right, so we're going to talk about to you and through you. So today we want to talk about the light that brings God's love. The light that brings God's love. And let's start out with to you. The light that brings God's love to you. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a disagreement or argument with someone? Anyone? All right, let's try that again. By show of hands, how many of you have ever, there's two hands going up, ever had a disagreement or an argument? You better raise your hand or we're going to have a disagreement right now and then you have to raise your hand. Every single one of us has had a situation sometime in our lives, whether it was a word, right, a word spoken or a look, you ever gotten a look? You ever given a look, right? A look, an action, a decision, whatever it is that has put us at odds with another person has made things kind of go sideways, right? We know when it's sideways. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like this happens a lot on Sunday morning before church, right? Maybe I'm describing your morning, I won't ask you to raise your hand. Uh, I know this in my home. It's not so much Sunday, but it's Saturday. Man, the enemy wants to push our buttons on a Saturday. And Megan and I know it. And even still, we know it. And even still, we'll get offended. In fact, last night, um, it was just a funky day. We were just not seeing eye to eye. And then I'm reading, and I'm going over my notes, and I'm reading about love, and I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> So we had a little chat and some reconciliation. 
When I was a kid, I would, uh, I would get my feelings hurt very easily, um, too easily. See, I was, I was a sweet kid. Um, I was just, I was everyone's friend, always had a smile on my face. I know that's hard for you to imagine. Um, always had a smile on my face, but internally I would just be seething. And I would have a smile on my face up until the moment that I snapped. And then everyone's going, what happened? And not only would I snap, I would withdraw. I would snap and run. Uh, I remember one situation, particularly we were uh, on a missions trip as a family. We were in Hong Kong, and I was about nine, well, about 10, 10, 11 years old. And we were on the YWAM base, and we were playing with a group of kids. And I don't even remember what happened, but I felt excluded or hurt or offended. And so I snapped, yelled at a bunch of kids, and then I took off, and I went and hid. And I remember to this day sitting there thinking this, I can't wait for them to come and find me, and reconcile. See, I would wait. I would blow up and then expect those people to come and find me and go, Barry, what's wrong? What's going on? Are you okay? Because right, it made me feel good. Can we just agree that's not mature behavior? <laughs> it's not mature behavior. Now, here's the problem. I was, you might say, well, you were 10, Things that we learn when we are 10, we bring into our adult lives. And it's taken me years and years and years to break those things in my life. And God bless Megan. We'll just leave it at that. This is the immature stance that a lot of people take. See that... Something comes in the middle of us, there's a disagreement, an argument, a fight, whether it's subtle, passive-aggressive, or just a full-on fist fight, right? Just a knockdown, drag out. I was never that kid because I don't like pain. So I would use my words to attack people or my actions. And then we back up, and then this is our stance. They need to make the first move to reconcile. It's on them. Because I'm justified. I'm in the right. I'm okay. I'm in the clear. They're the knuckleheads, or whatever other adjective you want to use. <laughs> and they need to come find me. I'm standing my ground. I'm right. They're wrong. They need to feel the sting, the pain of what they've done. And I'm going to let them wait it out. Somehow thinking that I'm being righteous in the midst of that. I'm helping you by being a jerk, right, so that you will f somehow feel the conviction. And then we usually even go one more step. Even if they make the first move, I'm not going to make it easy for them. Can I get an amen, right? Oh, how many times I've thought, you know what, I need to, I need to clear the air with Megan. Um, I, I said something dumb, and I'm just on a bad trajectory today. I just need to stop, and then we come face to face, and the very next words out of my mouth, I'm like, whoa, get back in, because <laughs> I know what's wrong, but man, something else takes over. See, it's not only not mature, but it's also unhealthy, and, and let's be honest, it's very self-destructive. People who live that way struggle through life. By the way, 
Ready for this? I'm going to touch a nerve. If you're thinking this, so-and-so really needs to hear this, <laughs> you, you may be the problem. And I, it's funny, but I tell you what, if you're thinking someone else needs to hear this, can I invite you this morning to allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you? to bring conviction, to bring illumination, to shine the light of his love in your life today, to challenge you in the places you need to grow. See, I had to grow out of it. I had to make behavior changes. I've been a Christian since I was five, but I didn't act like a Christian even when I was a kid and a teenager because that is not Christ-like behavior. See, here's the thing about Christmas. The overwhelming mind-boggling, astounding truth about Christmas is this. God made the first move. God made the first move. His name is Jesus. God made the first move. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only, one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Listen to this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We just read that a few minutes ago during communion. This is love. Not that we loved God. says that he showed, he demonstrated, he revealed, he made manifest, he exhibited his love for us in a very tangible way. Remember I said that Jesus is real. And the reality of who Jesus is came to us as an expression of God's love. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Not that we loved God, because you know what? We didn't. And not only that, we couldn't. We couldn't reconcile God had to make the first move. We didn't have it in us, the ability to do it, because we were stuck. We were deceived. We were lost, arrogant and proud. We were ignorant, unrepentant, unreceptive, and unable to love. So God made the first move. See, because in the midst of this pitiful condition. Now, with that frame, now listen to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God made the first move by sending Jesus, his one, his only Son, that word there where he says his one and only, it's the Greek word homogene. His only son, that when we get the word genetics, his DNA, a part of who he was, but the only one sent his only son to us. And he didn't come to condemn because you know what? He sure could have. He sure could have. If this was a court of law, his case was solid. Don't even need to hire an attorney. He had so many reasons to condemn us. 
We gave him so many reasons to condemn us. Starting in the garden and continuing from there. And you might say, well, you know, Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but we're born into sin and we daily, right? We daily give reasons where Jesus should be able to say, I'm done with you. I'm done. My patience has run out. But he doesn't. He keeps coming back and making the first move over and over and over. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit pursues us. You are being pursued by God. See, he didn't come to condemn, but to save, to reconcile, to restore, and to forgive. I read this this last week. It's something that was written by a professor of Bible at Northwestern College named J. Edwin Hortel. I'm going to put this up on the screen. The font might be a little small, but I wanted to try and get it all fit. For God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest number, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whoever the greatest invitation believes, the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person, shall not perish, the greatest escape, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, Eternal life, the greatest destiny. Isn't that good? He made the first move. He made the first move. And we get the benefit of all of that, even though we didn't deserve it. That's what he brings. That's what he gives. That's what he extends to us. And can we just agree this morning? I can't think of anything more loving than that. When we talk about the light of God's love, that Jesus would come in bodily form, knowing that it would lead him to the cross, but also knowing this, that because of the cross, we would be saved. I can't think of anything more loving than that. It's the ultimate expression the ultimate expression of love for us. Paul writes this in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, everyone say powerless. powerless. We were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love Christmas presents that come with multiple packages. You ever got a gift that you know is multiple packages and you open one and, and maybe it reveals a little bit of what's to come? We love doing this if we like buy a game system or, or something like that. We'll, we'll have the big box, but then there's the controllers and then there's the video games. And, and you have to be very selective about which one you open first, right? And so 
you, you know, you start ripping the, the, the wrapping off of the one, and then you get more excited. Usually we start out with like a controller or something, because then it starts building the anticipation, and even though you know what's coming, you still just can't wait to rip. Okay, maybe that's me. Grace, is that, uh, yeah, that, that's what happens in our house. The eyes light up, and you're like, oh my goodness. I love seeing the videos, like on YouTube, when, you know, parents will surprise their kids. They go to the airport, and they're thinking they're picking up grandma and grandpa, and it turns out they're actually getting on the plane to go to Disney World, right? And the kids are freaking out. That, that anticipation, we're not at Disney World yet, but the anticipation of going there is just so overwhelming. The love of Jesus came to us as a multi-part gift. That his birth is a part of the present. In fact, you open the gift of Jesus' birth and you know there's more to come. You open his word and you read in the gospels and the things that he taught and he spoke and that he did. And you know there's more to come. In just a few months, we'll remember his death and resurrection at Easter. Good Friday, him being crucified and could be a somber affair, but we know there's more to come. And Easter Sunday, he, he's risen again. He's risen. He's risen indeed. And we know there's more to come. And his ascension, going back into heaven, but, but church, we know there's more to come, that Jesus is coming back. And so it's this gift that's a multi-part gift. And daily, Jesus wants to reveal his love to you. But it doesn't stop there. He wants to reveal his love and the light of his love through you. And I'm not talking about a little 40-watt light bulb. Ever been in a room that has like the 40-watt light bulb and you're just like, oh, this is just, I'm thankful that there's a light, but I sure could go for a 100-watt light bulb right now, right? Let's get some halogen going on in here. Uh, anyone making the switch to the LED Right, love the LED lights, and uh, these are my personal favorites right now. I love the the Edison bulbs; they're just cool looking. Um, when it comes to the light of God's love shining through us, I'm not talking about just just a little bit. He calls us to to be. Uh, dare use the word audacious about it. To stand firm in that, to to shine brightly. See, we as Christians are called to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, reading out of the ESV says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Therefore, be imitators of God. To, to live like Jesus lived, to, ga- to give like Jesus gave, to love like Jesus loved, to extend like Jesus extended, to make the first move like Jesus made the first move. Be imitators of God. This is such a high standard. And I hear all the time people saying, I can't do that, I can't, I can't be that, I'm not there. And we start thinking this, that it's not possible, but it's important for us to know this. It is attainable, that we can be imitators of God, 
that we can live like Jesus. In fact, it's his plan for our lives. Romans chapter 8 says that, spells it out clearly that God's desire is that we would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, that we would look like Jesus. Well, pastor, you're just talking about, you know, should I grow my hair out and grow a beard? No, (laughs) of course not. But that doesn't mean that this is theoretical. Remember, Jesus was real. He was not a story. He was not a fable. He was not fictitious or made up. He was real. The things that he did were real. The ways that, that, that he acted were real. The conversations that he had were real. The people that he healed were real. The things that, that took place in his life were real, and he calls us to be conformed. God calls us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ so that the things that he did, we would do. The ways that he spoke would be the ways that we speak. The people that we would engage with would reflect the people he engaged with, who, by the way, weren't the churchy, lovely people. They were the people that needed him. But they didn't need him to just say, hey, you're okay and it's okay. He just brought the light of God's truth and love and shined it brightly, and they couldn't look away. Jesus sets a very high standard for us, but it is completely and totally attainable. John writes in 1 John 4, 11 through 12, dear friends, listen, this is to you. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's a great reason, isn't it? God loved you Therefore, love one another. See, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's the light of his love being revealed. As I close, let's listen to what Jesus had to say. Because I w- would you agree with me what Jesus has to say about this is probably important? John 13, 34 and 35 A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. (laughs) Did you catch the word must? Hello? Did you catch the word must? Okay, this is Jesus, Jesus calling. Um, This is the words of Jesus Christ in red. You must love one another. You know what that means? My pity party is not okay. My sulking is not okay. Making people want to feel the sting is not okay. Pushing people away is not okay. He says you get to make the first move and you must love one another. He goes on to say this, by this, everyone, not your church or your Thrive group or your closest friends, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you love one another. So God's gift to us, he made the first move in sending Jesus to us. 
But Jesus says this, now that you have me, now that you've received me, now that I am a part of your life, a tangible, real, transforming, life-giving part of your life, now that I have done this, now it is time for you to give that light, that love, the person of Jesus to other people. And it starts in our homes. It starts in our workplaces. It starts with the people that are closest to us. And it goes out from there. And we have to put aside any thinking in the church that says, I love everyone except for. And as evidence recently in our nation, we recognize that we're not very mature. (laughs) We're not very mature. I'm so sick of Facebook right now because I can't see another video about people arguing about politics. It doesn't matter who you support or who you're for. The light of Jesus' love, by the way, is so much bigger than this. Yet we get caught up in these things that are distractions from what God really wants us to know. See, because we serve a great king who is able to overcome all darkness. Remember, the light has come into the world, right? Into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it doesn't matter whether it's politics, whether it's work-related things, whether it's stuff in our family, whether it's generations of things. My great-great-grandpappy did whatever. (laughs) It's time for us as the church to be conformed to the image of Jesus and shine the light of his love to others. So here's my question. In fact, would we stand together as I ask you this question? The worship team's going to come and we'll close. As you stand, though, don't, don't get distracted because I want you to catch this question. This Christmas, this Christmas, where and how can the light of God's love shine through you? Where and how can the light of God's love shine through you? I actually want you to answer that question for yourself. Practically, tangibly, it cost Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth. It cost him greatly. It cost the Father greatly. Shining the light of God's love doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it is necessary. So where and how can the light of God's love shine through you? The other thing would be this. Maybe you're going, Barry, I'm hurting. I don't, I don't even know if I've really received the light of God's love for myself. How can I give it, give it if I don't have it? The Bible says that The reason that we can love is because we've been loved. And so it's important for us to first receive. So maybe this morning, as you're hearing these verses and you're hearing me speak, you're going, I'm I'm not confident that that I know. I'm not not confident that I've received that love. Here's what I'd like for you to do. If all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity without anyone looking around, not in a way to embarrass you, 
put you on the spot, but give you an opportunity to respond to God's first move. See, remember, he made the move. You're just responding to that. But if that's you, if you've never said yes to the light of God's love, would you raise your hand right now? Don't, don't overthink it. Don't process. If you need Jesus today, would you raise your hand today? We'd love to agree with you. Anyone at all? Thank you. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? We pray this prayer together for that person that raised their hand. As you pray this prayer, know this, that this is the invitation for God's love to envelop and, and, and consume your life, for his love to, to be so uh, revealed in you, to bring forgiveness of sin. Father God, I receive Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, Thank you, Jesus, that, you came. that you died, that you rose again, again, so that I could be forgiven. So that I, could be forgiven. I receive that forgiveness. I commit to follow you. I turn from my sinful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe your light has faded a little bit. Maybe you're not where you should be and, and, the, and the brightness and that light bulb has gone down. As we continue to worship, would you invite God to, to push that, that dimmer switch up to restore the brightness of his love in your life he wants to do that and as he does he then invites you to partner with him in shining that light, light to the world so God this morning I thank you for the light of your love God you made the first move which just blows our minds <laughs> Lord it just tells me that you're not an immature God you're a mature God and we thank you for that but Lord, even with you making the first move, sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes our hearts grow hardened. And God, I pray that that light today would, would, would creep into those places that are maybe a little dark. Maybe some hidden things have crept in that, that shouldn't be there. And, and Jesus, I pray that your light would shine and bring new life and vitality. I pray you bring healing and restoration. And as you do, God, I pray that you would cause us to shine like the stars in the heavens. That the light of who you are in us would shine out into our homes and into our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and communities, God, and to the ends of the earth so that all men would be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue.